When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Mini Break, your daily podcast for the biggest storylines, results, and controversies from the tennis world. Today is Thursday, July 27th. There is so much to discuss on today's show. We have 20 quarterfinal singles matches on the schedule tomorrow across our six ATP and WTA tour-level events. Of course, if that wasn't enough, we also have two semifinal singles matches on the women's side in Hamburg. It is just one of those weeks in the pro tennis world. And of course, this is what late July is all about on the calendar, an opportunity for young ascending players such as the plethora of teenagers we have seen have success on the tour this week, whether it's the two French young teenagers, Arthur Fee, Luca Van Asha, they're each having a moment this week in Hamburg, reaching the quarterfinal round of that 500-level event. How about Diana Schneider reaching her first tour-level semifinal of her career in Hamburg? Of course, she's not even the most surprising storyline of that WTA tour-level event in Hamburg. No, it's certainly Noma Noha Akugwe, the 19-year-old German wildcard. She's come to the attention of the entire tennis world this week, reaching the semifinals at this Hamburg event. Another exceptional performance from her today in a 7-5 third set victory over former French Open semifinalist Martina Trevisan. I mean, it's just our sort of week here at Crack Rackets. You've got the young ascending players. You've got world number one Iga Sviantek doing her thing in Warsaw. You've got the kickoff of the North American hardcourt season in Atlanta. Again, so much for us to discuss here on today's show. And I will be candid with you listeners. I wanted to record a podcast yesterday. I planned on recording a podcast yesterday, but it turns out spending... Your morning, so intensely focused, I suppose, on my role as a commentator this week on Tennis Channel's T2 service, which of course you can find on Samsung devices, or if you are a YouTube TV subscriber. First three days took a lot of gas out of the tank. I ended up falling asleep yesterday around 4 or 5 p.m., sleeping through to my alarm Thursday morning. As such, I suppose I apologize for that, I suppose. I ended up sleeping through all the way to my morning alarm here on Thursday morning as such. I do apologize for the lack of an episode yesterday, but rest assured, I'm well rested and I have an enthusiasm unbeknownst to mankind in my passion for recording today's episode. As again, I've had a front row seat 
to all the action. A massive thank you to Mike Haston, without whom I would not be on the call this week at T2. A massive thank you to my guy, Brett Connors. Obviously, Super Producer Daniel Westoff, he's the apple of my eye. He's number one in my heart, but you know he's in a separate tier, and to have the opportunity to work with Brett as my producer this week, obviously we've become buddies given the content we've produced together over the years, but we've had a lot of fun on the ones and twos, and again, the best equivalent I can offer for what's available on T2. It's almost the NFL Red Zone package offered by Tennis Channel. We do have the luxury of jumping around the globe between Warsaw, Umag, Hamburg, pretty much anything that's not on TC Linear as the in-studio people call that TC Main or just normal Tennis Channel, the Tennis Channel you see in the cable package. We get to do every other match happening in the globe. And again, given the fact that it's been a six-event week on the calendar, we've gotten the chance to see so much good tennis as such. Again, I'm well-prepared for today's show. That's why I want to get into all of those storylines, the standout week for the plethora of teenagers, the continued brilliance of Shviantek, and so much more. And more broadly, of course, set the scene for what is a jam-packed Friday schedule in the tennis world. Of course, the reason we're able to do all of that here on this show is because of the support we get from all of you. I mean this in the most sincere way. The numbers get better and better every passing day, every passing week, every passing month, and, you know, every passing episode. And that's a tribute to all of you who do continue to like, rate, subscribe, review. And clearly you must be sharing with your friends because, again, our audience continues to grow. We're so grateful for all of you that continue to tune in day in, day out, put up with our nonsense. That's why we take our job so seriously. We'll keep you the most well-informed. We'll keep you the best educated fans in the business. A shout-out to all of you. A shout-out to Westoff, without whom none of this would be possible. Shout-out to Dalton as well. And to see all of our content, catch up on everything happening in the tennis world, just hop on over to our website, crackrackets.com. Like, rate, subscribe, review to all of the social media channels and YouTube as well to ensure you don't miss out on anything. And of course, if you're buying tennis supplies for yourself, you've been inspired but what you've, by what you've seen excuse me, un- unfold in the tennis world. There's only one place you should turn to for all of the latest and greatest equipment at the best prices. It's our friends at Tennis Point. Tennis-Point.com today. They work with us. They work with Tennis Channel. They work with the best in the business because they are the best in the business. And again, you can find everything you're looking for at the best prices, tennis-point.com. Use our promo code CR15 to let them know that we sent you there. With that said, though, again, a 20-quarter final Friday plus two semifinals. Let's get into previewing all of Friday's action, recapping how we got to this point in the tennis world. I want to start on the WTA side of things. Let's start with the thing that has impressed me the most. And again, philosophical impressive and actual impressive with my eyes and holy shit it's ridiculous what we're seeing day in day out if you're a tennis fan you don't want to miss this there are two different categories of how to impress I suppose in the tennis world and for me the one I value most we just have a generational talent on our hands in Iga Sviantec and I know some of you listeners right now are thinking Alex it's late July it's not a slam how you know you pride yourself, Alex, on not being the basic tennis podcast, on not talking about the obvious storylines. But sometimes there's a reason the headliners are the headliners. 
And Iga Shviantek is just a fucking superstar. Like, I just don't know how else to say it. And obviously, I'm always grateful for Iga Nation, the support they've shown to this show. I'm not trying to butter them up here by this opening segment. But I watched Iga today in her 2-2 two and two win over Claire Lou. Claire Lou didn't play bad. Like, Claire Lou's a hell of a tennis player. The weapon she possesses, her ability to actually, I don't want to say leverage, but... Because it wasn't because she lost two and two, so it's hard to say leverage. But her ability to absorb the heavy topspin, flatten out her ground strokes accordingly, you know, try to take that ball early on the rise, beat uh, Iga Sviantek to the spot. She wasn't bad at it. Like there were a lot of games that went to deuce throughout the course of this match, but it's just when Iga locks in, it's just. You know it when you see it. Uh, if you've watched enough tennis over the years, if you've watched any sporting events over the course of the years, every sport has their greats. And greatness transcends everyone else out there on the court. And you can watch all 22 singles matches tomorrow. I promise you, Iga's going to stand out from the pack. It's just how she hits her sliding backhand. I know, again, Alex, you've done this rant a million times. Why are you referring to yourself in third person right now? Sorry, that's for you, the listeners. That's a little trick uh, I've learned over the years. But it's because I just, Novak can do it. Iga can do it. I'm sure Carlos could do it if he wanted to. There are times Sinner does it, but then he does it, and he's out for the next two weeks because he tweaked his knee doing it. It's the sliding open stance backhand. It's just, oh, it's just so gorgeous. It's just, again, you look at the numbers for Iga, and I'm a numbers nerd. She kills it. She's the only player in the world right now. Top 50 in the rankings, top 10 in both hold and break percentage. Her win percentage over the course of these past two seasons, I mean, again, 67-9 and nine last year. You go between the two seasons, she's 111-17. and 17. You know, 44-8, and eight, I believe now this season, following her win today, 44-7, and seven, excuse me. I don't know why it says 8 on one part of Tennis Abstract, but not the other. 44-7 and seven overall on the year. You know, how many for how many tournaments has she played this year? Let's see. Well, how many titles has Iga won? She won Doha. Uh, she won Stuttgart. She won the French Open. So three different titles for her this season. I mean, she's played 10 total events. In 10 total events, she's now made, what, one, two, plus this additional one. She's made 10 quarterfinals. No way. She's made the quarterfinals in every event that she's played this year. Hold on. Technically not United Cup, but they made the semifinals there, so I guess technically they did. I'm just double-checking the stats here. She has made the quarterfinals at least in every event that she's played this season. I had to double-check. Your jaw is just on the floor because then you remember she just turned 22, and it's like as good as she is mathematically, as impressive as she is maneuvering the court, finding the outer thirds, beating you to the spot, leveraging her speed to take the ball on the rise, and again, using that strength, using the heaviness of her ball, it's just different than everyone else's. And she's 22. You know, again, you feel like 25 years old, what's it going to look like? 27, 28 years old, what's it going to look like? What sort of run are we in? And again, it's just, it's special. And given the fact, you know, we were we were spoiled for two decades. Federer, Serena, Djokovic, Nadal, all the, you know, all of these greats. Venus, obviously. They're all near or at the end of their careers. 
the next generation of superstars are emerging. And obviously we saw it in the brightest way with Alcaraz beating Djokovic at Wimbledon. But Iga Svantec, it's not even a but. Iga Svantec's doing it every week. It's that simple. And anytime she's on court, she is elevated. It's must-see television for tennis fans because, again, Claire Lou didn't play bad. And for what it's worth for Claire Lou, the 23-year-old American, semifinals last week in Budapest. She gets a win this week in Warsaw, currently sitting, I believe, at 73. Nope, 77 in the live rankings. She's where she needs to be to make a jump in an advantageous portion of the calendar. But, man, it's just a pleasure to watch Iga compete. And, you know, again, the prospect of her losing a set this week, I just, I don't see it happening given how the rest of the draw has broken out. And, again, there are massive opportunities across the board for all of the players remaining so far in Warsaw. I think Iga's toughest test is coming in the quarterfinal given the fact she's taken on the talented 18-year-old teenager Linda Naskova. Naskova, uh, a win over Kuzmova in straight sets to get to the quarterfinals. It's her first tour-level quarterfinal since she made uh, that breakthrough run. And uh, Excuse me, she made a quarterfinal in Lyon, I suppose, but obviously just her third quarterfinal of the year. I should say it's her first quarterfinal since that month of January where she really did make that breakthrough run. And so... You know, again, Naskova now 22-14 and 14 overall on the year. She's played 12 different tour-level events, two 125K events—excuse uh, me, 11 tour-level events, two 125Ks, and 100K. 22-14, and 14, given that level of play, you know, uh, a win for her at Roland Garros as well. That's good progress for the 18-year-old who, in reaching this quarterfinal now, will rise back up to number 70 uh, in the live rankings, but— you know, again, for Linda Naskova, uh, it, it, it's, again, it's not a sprint. And I do want to see how her weapons hold up, uh, obviously, against the relentlessness of Iga forcing you into the outer thirds. I suppose how her movement holds up, what does she do to take time away from Iga? She has the weapons to do so. That might be my favorite match on the calendar on Friday. Again, a 22 singles match Friday, countless doubles as well, and that's just the tour-level action. I think that one's my favorite. Again, third quarterfinal of the year for the teenager, Naskova, who she's actually 58 in, uh, in the world entering the week. Uh, again, give, why did she fall in the rankings? Well, it's because last year at this time she made the semifinals in Prague, her inaugural breakthrough tour run. I, I was here at Tennis Channel when it happened. I remember her beating Alize Cornet. I remember her. I called her win over now Hibino last season at this time. And so hopefully, I mean, there's no way. That tennis channel doesn't take Iga, put her on the main channel. But on the off chance she's not for some reason, hopefully we get her at T2. Because, again, not to be basic with all of you listeners, I know you expect more from us here at Cracked Rackets, but you got the world number one in action this week. She's the biggest story for a reason. Two and two, I don't even think she played her best. but And then, like, in the post-match interview, she's just— we should start calling her Iga Svantec PhD because she's given full-throated answers. It's like, here's the thesis to my answer to your question. Here's my body of evidence backing up my thesis. And in conclusion to my answer, here are the things I just stated. She's the best. <laughs> it's just a joy. It really is. And, you know, again, Iga threw in straight sets. Naskova's up next. You look at the rest of this Warsaw draw, I just I don't know how anyone gets a set off of Iga. Obviously, massive props to Rebecca Sramkova. Uh, Sramkova from 5-1 and three match points down comes back to knock off Karolina Muchova, 7-5, 3-6, 7-5. 
first tour level quarterfinal in the career of the 26 year old and for Sremkova who enters the week uh, 174 excuse me in the world given her results uh, here this week she will jump all the way up let's see in the live rankings to number 155 still 44 spots off her career high but back in the right direction and again that's what this portion of the calendar is all about Sramkova gets in as a qualifier to this 250 event wins a first round match two and two now a three set win over Muhova next up for her Tatiana Maria who ends the run of Clara Tossin 6-4-6 love other upset on the day Laura Siegemann 4-4 four four over Lin Julin uh, excuse me look the Germans got some weapons she hits an explosive ball and while it hasn't been the most active season for Siegemund, who was out from the end of April to the start uh, to the middle toward slash end of June uh, with injury. She is still 19 and 13 overall on the year. This is her first quarter final of the season, but you know this is a player who's qualified into main draws at Indian Wells in Miami in Madrid in Berlin. Uh, all the big events this year have featured the now 35 year old German veteran, and you know again. Good quarterfinal run for her here in Warsaw. Next up for her again, a fellow veteran in Luceriza Stefanini. Stefanini, a 4-1 winner today. Uh, your, again, your quarterfinal matchups in Warsaw. Sviantek Naskova, Stefanini Siegemund, Maria Sremkova, and then Heather Watson taking on Yanina Vickmeyer. That's actually the sixth time those two have played. Every other matchup, a first career head-to-head right now. Sviantek. An 82.8% chance, according to the Tennis Abstract singles forecast, of winning the event. My eyes wouldn't indicate anything different either. And so, again, that's your update on everything happening in Warsaw. Storyline number two certainly emerges from Hamburg this week on the WTA Tour, and it's the run of the teenagers. Let's start with the one we know a little bit better here. Lady Di Schneider is just the real deal. Diana Schneider, who, of course, took the college tennis world by storm, yeah, she took the college tennis world by storm. If you watched NCAAs to watch what she did uh, to Tessa Porton-Naklau in the quarterfinals, to watch what she did to Alexandra Yepafanova in the semifinals, and then, you know, again, to watch her beat a really good Reese Brantmeyer in the final as well. I know she lost some matches along the way. What, Carol Lee of Georgia Tech and who beat her? for Tennessee. Someone on Tennessee's team beat her. I apologize. I'm blanking on the name. Here's the point. (laughs) Or I guess that's why she didn't maybe take the tennis, uh, college tennis world by storm, storm, but certainly took the college tennis world by storm. But now she's into her first tour level semifinal this week in Hamburg. And to do that at 19 years old, you're the real freaking deal. With this run, the 19-year-old up to a new career high, number 86 in the live rankings. She earns a second consecutive victory for a second consecutive week over a player who has spent the majority of the last year inside the top 100 in Bernarda Pera. And for what it's worth, Pera was defending the title in Budapest when Schneider beat her first round in straight sets, was defending the title this week in Hamburg when Schneider breaks her at 4-all and holds serve 4-6-4. Now, there was a, a lucky net cord backhand that ultimately afforded Schneider the break in what was a really long physical point in that four-all service game of Bernie P. But the highest compliment I can pay Schneider is her weapons were bigger than Paris. Like lefty versus lefty, she hit the bigger ball. She was a little bit better in the outer third. She can throw up that sky lob. She's really comfortable as a mover. You see the strength in her legs and her ability to slide into the ball on this surface. 
the serve is still attackable. But man, again, when she has her feet set, the depth of every forehand, the depth of every backhand, the willingness to move forward. She hit an incredible swinging volley in her final service game to help her secure that final hold. And she just broke the 28-year-old top 50 veteran in Bernarda Pera uh, at 4-all in the third set. For a, to earn a second consecutive win in a second consecutive week. It's really hard to beat anyone two weeks in a row at this level. First career semifinal, again, it's the weapons of the lefty, the depth of every ground stroke, the heaviness of that ball. I mean, she's in the top 100. She's the real deal. And again, the slower the surface, the more time she has to set her feet to explode through the ball. She can hit a ball through any court. Oftentimes, her opponents cannot... She's got a really good shot to Schneider now of reaching a first career tour level final. She's going to take on a fellow teenager, the wild card this week, Nomanoha Akugwe. Lefty's got game. It's that simple. And obviously with this run, the 19-year-old German up to a new uh, career high, number 162 in the live rankings. She's a former uh, German national championships, girls 18's winner. Um, she's someone who has spent a lot of time at the ITF level over the course of the past year, but 46 and 29 overall in play over her last 52 weeks, 22 and 28 here this season, made a semifinal at a 60 K earlier in July, not a ton of 100 K. She's been playing primarily 40 K's 60 K level, the opportunity to play slam qualifying at Roland Garros, the opportunity to play qualifying in Berlin on the grass courts, Wimbledon qualifying as well, given her ranking. She's a new addition to the top 250 this year. It was a little Spider-Man Mimi between her and Martina Trevisan today. Again, both lefties who get outside the ball so well, find the outer third so well. Both have their backhands. They, the loops are pretty similar, and they kind of make contact with the ball a little closer to their body. But they're meaning both Akugwe and Martina Trevisan. Again, this is emphasizing their Spider-Man meme point of this meme. I mean, look, Trevisan... Had the She had break points to give herself a chance to serve for the match. She was right there, but Noha Kugwe just held her nerve. And you could see, you know, again, how much this result in front of a home crowd in your home country, first career tour-level semifinal. You couldn't have written a better script uh, for this 19-year-old German. It's gonna, Again, advantage Schneider from a weapons perspective, advantage Noha Kugwe. From a crowd perspective, although Daishnai did say, man, have I been looking forward to playing on center court and to get that opportunity is something she will relish tomorrow. Get two 19-year-olds, two first career semifinalists at the tour level doing battle. That's what late July is all about. That's why this portion of the calendar exists. Bernie P didn't play poorly. Schneider displayed a top 50 level. Uh, Trevisan is just inexperienced. The ups, the downs. It's fascinating. Again, that's your top half of the draw. Bottom half of the draw, the storyline I have missed out on the most this season, the biggest oversight on the mini break, has been the continued success of Aranksa Rus. The 32-year-old is 67-23 and in her last 52 weeks. She is 42-12 and here in 2023. I don't care if it's at the 25K level. I don't care if it's at the 40K, the 60K level. 
the lefty Roose is getting the job done. And that's why, despite being 35 years old, as if that's that old, Aranksa Roose right now, uh, she is currently sitting at a new career high as Aranksa Roose. She is currently sitting with this semifinal run, 52 in the live rankings. 32 years old, 52 in the live rankings. I'm playing slams. I'm taking paychecks no matter what and everything. You know, again, slams pay for life. Everything else is a bonus from a money perspective. Obviously, you're competing for points, et cetera, et cetera. But you get to be comfortable at this age 32 season for Ronxarus. Two and two over the German Ava Lise. Next up, she'll take on the qualifier Daria Seville, who obviously given all of her injury issues of late to get back to a tour level semifinal. Three and two over the big hitting Julie Niemeyer. It's a good run. It's a great opportunity for both Seville and uh, Seville, excuse me, and Aranxa Rus. Great opportunity for everyone in Hamburg. Again, no one would have predicted Noha Akugwe versus Schneider, Seville versus Rus at the top of the week, and yet that is precisely what we will see in Hamburg. It's a fun one. I, I'm certain we will be calling at least one of those matches during my shift on T2, so we'll further updates on all things Hamburg for you all tomorrow. I won't lie, the one I saw the least of today was Lausanne. They were the morning shift, and our dear friend Perry Shinen was on the call there. Quick overview, and I will lock in on this one more tomorrow, I promise you listeners. But again, a bunch of young, talented players with opportunity, whether it's at the top of the draw, Diane Perry, the talented young French woman, through to the quarterfinals here in Lausanne, where a date with Alizé Cornet, who comes back from a break, 4-3 down in the third to earn, win the final three games of the match, 6-4 in the third over Teichmann. That's the one match I did watch. Look, Cornet just grinds. Like, you're not listening to this podcast if you don't already know the scouting report on the French veterans. So, viva la France, Perry versus Cornet. It's a fun contrast of styles. Perry's going to have plenty of opportunities to hit that big forehand. That's a very winnable match for Diane Perry. I'd like to see her get through there and, again, put a big result on the board here early in the final third of the season. French women everywhere in this draw as Clara Burel, the 22-year-old French woman, through to the semi, uh, excuse me, quarterfinals here in Lausanne. That's now back-to-back quarterfinals for Burel, who reached the quarterfinals last week in Palermo. Given her result, uh, she's back up to number 82 in the live rankings. Eight off her career high, 22 years old inside the top 100. Again, not everyone can be Coco Goff. Not everyone can be a Jung Chin Wen. Not everyone can just fly up the rankings Top 100, you're in the ballgame. And that's where Clara Burel is, an impressive 3-2 and two win over Emma Navarro, who's played a lot of tennis today, and you could see that, and just everything was a little sloppy. It felt like everything was a half-step slow, but again, Emma Navarro's right where she wants to be. Clara Burel's starting to get back in the right direction as well. Keep in mind, Clara Burel was a top junior in the world. I want to double-check on what the number was, but yeah, she was the former world junior number one, two-time junior slam finalist, Australia U.S. Open, and this quarterfinal came on clay. So top 100, right where she wants to be, heading into all the big events. That's probably the quarterfinal. Uh, you know, again, I would say Perry, Burel, and then Alina Evanesian, who has just flown under the radar because she hasn't had the results of... You know, the, the breakthrough result of an Oskova or a Potapova or, you know, some of the other young stars we have seen rise throughout the course of this season. But very quietly, the soon-to-be 21-year-old Russian, uh, 29-17 and 17 overall on the year. She's made quarterfinals now in three of her last four tour-level events. And listen to these last five tour-level events. From qualifying as a lucky loser, she reaches the round of 16 at Roland Garros. Good start, right? Quarterfinals Berlin, quarter uh, 
lost in qualifying at Wimbledon, but then quarterfinals Budapest, quarterfinals Lausanne. Here comes Avanesian, who with this result is up to uh, a new career high. Alina Avanesian currently sitting uh, all the way at, excuse me, currently sitting at 67, three off her career high, but one more victory. She'll crack the top 60 for the first time in her career. And again, you look at the quarterfinals, uh, she's going to take on Elisabetta Cocciaretto, the talented big-hitting Italian. It's a fun set of quarters in Lausanne. Perry versus Cornet, Bogdan versus Burel, Bondar versus Zdancic. I mean, Tamara Zdancic's made a semifinal at Roland Garros. That's something to get excited about, to see her compete on a clay court. Avanissian versus Cocciaretto, five of your top eight seeds still alive in Lausanne. Right now, Bogdan, 27% favorite. Cochiretto, 22.8 after that. Cornet, Avanissian, the slight edge, but it really does feel like it's anyone's ballgame, and that certainly adds an element of intrigue into our tour-level quarterfinal matches on the women's side. Again, those are your updates. Warsaw, Hamburg, Lausanne, where things stand in our three WTA tour-level events heading into both quarterfinal and semifinal Saturday. That uh, Saturday, semi quarterfinal Friday slash semifinal Friday. It came out as semifinal Saturday because that's what it usually is. Leave it in, Super Producer Daniel Westoff. Anyways, let's move over now to Hamburg where, look again, I've made this point repeatedly, so I'm not going to belabor that point here. I want to talk more about what I've seen in their games, but again, French men's tennis is having their first moment in a decade and a half. I know, if, if, you know, those of you who grade on a tougher curve will say, well, hold on. Arthur Fees, yeah, I know he's 54 in the, 19 years old, but is 54 in the world really that impressive? Luca Van Asha, 19 years old, is 62 in the world really that impressive? Well, yes, it really is because you look right now, both of those guys, uh, if they're, the next-gen finals field was selected today, they'd both get in of all the guys under the age of 21, feed the fourth-most points this season, uh, trailing just Alcaraz, Runa, and Musetti. Van Asha, sixth on that list. He trails Alcaraz, Runa, Musetti, Fees, and Ben Shelton, who, of course, has that quarterfinal in Australia under his belt. That's really been the crutch he's leaned on uh, throughout the course of this season I love the contrast in styles between the two, and I believe I talked about... I've seen more of Von Asha this week. I got to call his deciding set against Alejandro Davidovich Fokina in Wednesday's round of 16 battle. Uh, I got to see a little bit of Arthur Fee versus Dusan Lajevic, but I wasn't on the call for that match. It, it's fun, again, how different they are. Von Asha is a grinder. Von Asha... He can scoot, but he is about absorbing your pace, redirecting your pace, seeing the thing you want to do most and taking that away from you. And the amount of hesitancy injected into the game of Alejandro Davidovich Fokina down the home stretch of their match was striking. And it was entirely due to the relentlessness, relentless defense, relentless movement, relentless effort of this talented teenage Frenchman. Again, the forehand's a little big. The backhand, the loop is accentuated, but he does a great job getting outside and under that ball. He hits his spots really well on the serve. Even if it's not this overwhelming, eye-popping weapon, he does a good job of hitting his spots to set up the first strike. He's just good. Like I, I don't know if, if Vanash is great, 
at anything yet, but I can tell you this is a guy who doesn't have a definitive weakness. Yeah, I think his forehand will be under more pressure as he plays on a hard, faster surfaces, and it's worth noting he's 0-4 in his career on hard courts, but Again, for Von Asha, first career tour-level quarterfinal. Him, Arthur Fee, Alex Mickelson, the only players born in 2004 to have reached tour-level quarterfinals uh, so far in the world. And again, France has two of them. In not just Von Asha, but Arthur Fee, who makes another quarterfinal. He obviously won the title in Lyon back in May. Now the quarterfinal here on the clay in Hamburg. Just has weapons. Like, God, does that ball explode off of his rack. And I got, I'm not going to lie. I want to do more Arthur Fee study before I give you the full film breakdown. But again, Van Asha, Fee, they were top juniors in the world. They've translated quickly to the Pro Tours, both now, again, inside the top 75. They're in striking range. They're going to have tough matches tomorrow. As for Van Asha, he's going to take on Sasha Zverev. That match has grind written all Honestly, or if Zverev, I mean, again, that's Zverev's playing. We discussed Zverev, the second assault allegation he now faces with David Kane over on the Great Shot podcast. He's looked good from a tennis perspective this week, and I just don't know if Anasha has the weapons to hurt him, but that match is going to be physical. I'll tell you what, Kasper Ruud's played two three-set matches. He's coming off of a finals appearance last week in Bostad. You know, three sets over Baez for Ruud in round number one, three sets today, one six six two six two over Christian Garin. I cast for some of the five best clay court players in the world. I don't know. I, you know, again, it, it's it's become a common phrase amongst tennis fans and tennis Twitter of late to say Casper Ruud's underrated. No, he's not. He's very properly rated. Casper Ruud right now is ranked, what, four in the world? That's about right. Like, uh, is his peak four? I mean, he's made three slam finals. You know, Medvedev's made about that number. Uh, I could do the math in my head. It's it's right around three. Tsitsipas has made, what, a French Open final, an Australian Open final. You know, Runa's at six, Sinner's at eight. Maybe you say those guys upside a little bit higher than Rude's moving forward. At least I would say that. But, you know, again, I, I'm on a clay court, I probably pick Casper over both of them right now, and we're on clay courts in Hobbit. Again, Casper is properly ranked. He's properly rated. He's four in the world. Now, he's not tier one. And if people think Casper is a tier one guaranteed sure thing slam champion, like that I disagree with. And if you think that's where he belongs, then yes, I do have him underrated. But he's certainly no lower than tier two. He's a guy who's always going to exist in this 5 to 12 playing in the rankings. Honestly, more like 5 to 10, 5 to 8. He's going to rack up a bunch of tour uh, year-end finals excuse me, throughout the course of his career and it's a good three-set win, another quarterfinal for Casper Ruud, who seems to finally have things going. Again, those are fun matchups. Ruud versus Fee, there's only so much fun that can be associated with Sasha Zverev at this point, but taking on Van Asha on paper, if those were just two players and they didn't have the backstories behind them, that's a really fun tennis matchup. You know, Again, that's your top half of the draw, bottom half. Daniel Altmaier looked like one of the four best players in the world today. Like, honestly, the question if you watch Daniel Altmaier beat Andre Rublev 6-2-6-2 today is, is Daniel Altmaier the best player in the world? At least on Thursday, July 27th, he was. I mean, the movement, the shot making. It was just, he was so good. He was so good. And for Altmaier, 
41 and 28 now in his last 52 weeks, 27 and 20 here this season. You look for him now in reaching the quarterfinals. It's his sixth quarterfinal of the year, second at the tour level. He made the quarterfinal, of course, at the Madrid Masters earlier this season. With this result, Altmaier up to a new career high, number 49 in the live rankings. He can be streaky. Sometimes there are days when the contact point is just off, but there's a lot of Grigor Dimitrov in the shot-making profile, in the fluidity as an athlete of Daniel Altmaier. I even think he hits his ball a little bit heavier from a topspin perspective. I mean, his ability to play defense six feet behind the court and how heavy that ball comes in. I mean, again, he he was one of the five. He was the best player in the world today. Like, you think I'm being hyperbolic? Go check the film. I promise you, Daniel Altmaier was the best player in the world today on the men's side. He's got a really winnable match taking on Zheng Zhizhen, the talented 26-year-old from China who, of course, became the first man from China to crack the top 100 of the ATP Tour singles rankings last year. He's through to the quarterfinals, a 4-6-6-1-6-4 victory over Yannick Hanfman. Hanfman struggled with his plus-one forehand today. As well as he was hitting the kick serve, Zheng Zhizhen just, it was depth down the center of the court. And it just felt like that first forehand for Hoffman, as well as he set things up with his first serve, the first forehand betrayed him in sets two and three. And look, this was a really physical, really fun match. Zhang Zhizhen is just good. He's just good. I don't know what the weakness is. He's a little stiff in the hips. He tries to beat you the spot on the rise. It's But the technique is sound. The serve has pop. He's really good. There's a reason he has consolidated his spot in the top 100. I know he's around 500. I think he's 19 and 20 now overall in the year, but back up to number 67 in the live rankings. He is top 100 good. It's that simple. And so, again, Altmaier, Zhang Zhizhen, that's a massive opportunity for one of those guys to make a 500-level semifinal for Zhang Zhizhen. Again, make a push towards the top 50 for Altmaier, consolidate his spot. That's quarterfinal number three. Quarterfinal number four, Lorenzo Musetu comes back from a set down. Had a brain fart serving at four. He had a million chances to break Kovalik in Wednesday's first set at three all. He didn't end up breaking. And how frequently do we see you come close to breaking but don't? You ultimately get broken in the next game. Uh, that's what happened to Musetti, just a brain fart. Kovalik held out. But, man, Kovalik's level in set number one, you were like, how is this guy not top 50 in the world? And, you know, again, the errors began to seep in. Musetti made those that final set in particular, so physical. 6-4 in the third, Musetti advances. I know Jose Morgado tweeted this out, but you look at what Lorenzo Musetti has done during this clay court season. He has been excellent. He has played the role of top 20 player. Quarterfinals of Monte Carlo, semifinals of Barcelona, round of 16 Roland Garros. He then goes to the grass court season, quarterfinals Stuttgart, quarterfinals Queens Club, third round Wimbledon, semifinals Bostad, now quarterfinals here in Hamburg. 21-year-olds on a run, and then I've said it before, so I won't reiterate this point too much, but he gets overshadowed by Sinner, by Runa, by, of course, Carlos Alcaraz. He's 21 years old, and he is firmly inside the top 20. Musetti currently sitting at 17 in the live rankings, currently sitting at 20th in the points race. Lorenzo Musetti through to the quarterfinals, where a date with the always tricky on a clay court, Laszlo Jura awaits. It's a 500-level event. That's why, again, not a shock to see top 20 players. Rude versus Fee. Musetti versus Jura, Zvira versus Van Aschen. Again, two guys looking to consolidate their spots with massive opportunities. Zhang Zhizhen versus Altmaier. 
Let's have ourselves a week in Hamburg. Let's enjoy the home stretch of what is our highest level event on the week. That said, I got two other events I want to blitz through quickly. And again, tomorrow, Lausanne, Umag, Atlanta will be the highlight of, uh, will be the focus of the podcast. I didn't watch a ton of Yuri Lechechka's 3-5 and five win over Dominic team. I saw a team beat Facundo Bagnus in round one. I thought he looked really good. It just, the physicality wasn't quite in there in the same way today against Lechechka. And that's not a shot given Lechechka hits a bigger ball than Facundo Bagnus. Team did not have as much time. I don't think he served as well either. It's a good win for Lechechka. Top seed this week in Umag. Obviously had a massive start to the season reaches a round of 16 at Wimbledon to get things back going, and now uh, quarterfinals here at Umag in his first event post-Wimbledon. You look for Lechechka very sneakily, 21-year-olds at a career high, 33 in the live rankings. Yeah, that's where you want to be, my friends. He's through to the quarterfinals where a date with the talented Italian Matteo Arnaldi awaits the 22-year-old. He's sitting at a new career high. In the live rankings, Arnaldi now up to number 71 after reaching the quarterfinals here this week in Umag. You look for Arnaldi. He's made three different challenger finals this year, one one each of those finals now into what I believe is his first tour-level quarterfinal. And in fact, looking at his resume, that is indeed the case. This is what late July is all about. Again, moves the ball well, moves the ball extraordinarily well. I don't know what the over, uh, you know, I don't see an overwhelming weakness in his game yet. And again, it was just good ball striking between Arnaldi and Cabali today, a three and six win in an Italian on Italian crime. But by the way, Arnaldi's sitting at 72 right now in the rankings. Cabali, 21 years old, 141. He's in strike range as well. There's a bunch of young Italians, as we've mentioned over the course of this year, to keep an eye on. Arnaldi through to his first pro quarterfinal, as is Dino Prismich, this year's junior French Open champion. The thing that, I mean, this is so silly, but again, I'm locking in more on Umag tomorrow. I guess today is silly observation day. You look at Dino Prismich's legs, and you're like, A, you're not a teenager with those legs. B, those are the legs of a future top 50 tennis player. Like, he already has the quads, and the movement, the explosion, the creativity, the improvisation. It's going to be fun to see all of that go up against what is the relentless first serve, first strike game of Alexi Popperin of Australia in tomorrow's Umag quarterfinals again. Prismich, born in 2005. Ugh. That's just a sad thing to say out loud, but through to his first quarterfinals of his career at the tour level is the 17-year-old, and to do that in his home country of Croatia, Prismich up to a new career high, number 251 in the live rankings. Now you're starting to talk slam qualifying. Massive, massive result for the 17-year-old. So that's your top half of the draw, Lechechka, Arnaldi, Paparin, Prismich, Bottom half, Stan the man, the Stanimal, into his third quarterfinal of the season. He gets a straight set win over Federico Coria. Stan went up three love in the first, played one loose service game. Coria obviously always going to stick around, but just couldn't hurt Stan. And Stan was locked in. He's going to have another massive opportunity here, taking on Carbeas Baena, who, of course, moves the ball so well, redirects so well, plays such physical brand of tennis, but... Stanimal's got the biggest weapons, and we just haven't had Stan in a lot of championship weekends of late. It would be fun to see him compete in a semifinal and a final round on the singles court. I know he won a doubles title uh, last week in Stad with Dom Stricker, but 
Keep your eye on that Wawrinka Carbeas Baena matchup. That's a fun contrast of styles. As is Sinego versus Munar. Munar oh, would just be such a nightmare to play on a clay court. Guy doesn't give you anything for free. Four and three over Fabian Marazan. Lorenzo Sanego survived six one seven six. Did not have to play a third. Chechenato was knocking on the door. A uh, nice return for Sinego to earn the mini break, then closes it out with a 9-7 win in that second set breaker. Again, your quarterfinal matchups, Lechechka versus Naldi, Paparin versus Prismich, Wawrinka versus Carbeas Baena, Munar versus Senego. That's where things stand in Umag, where right now it is, wow, Matteo Arnaldi, not only favored against Lechechka tomorrow, but the 21-year-old Italian reaches his first quarterfinal this week in Umag. He's a 21.8% favorite to win the title, according to our friends at Tennis Abstract. Now, that's probably because three of the five highest-ranked players, Wawrinka, Carbeas, Baena, Senego, they're all on the other side of the draw, But and Munar's the fifth guy on that other side. Maybe it's just by virtue of thinking he's most likely to get to the final, that he's most likely to win the title, but fascinating. Tennis Abstract, singles forecast, offering us a little nugget moving forward. That, again, is where things stand uh, right now in Umag, in Atlanta, last but certainly not least. And again, this match goes later, uh, this tournament goes later in the day, so this is always the focus of Tennis Channel. We only get the early Atlanta matches on T2 as such. I was able today to call the ending of Dom Kofer's Come from behind, two six seven six six four victory. At least call the ending of that second set. Evans had three match points in his return game at uh, five three in the second set. He served for the match was broken immediately by Dom Koper for five all. Evans has now lost eight of his last nine. And look, Koper, they're okay. You know, he hit one backhand down the line during the second set breaker. It's the sort of backhand you'd want to introduce to your parents and say, "Hey, this is a backhand." I think it's time for you to meet them, uh, for for you two to meet, because it's getting serious between me and this backhand. Um, but it was just, it was mental. It was a mental thing for Evans. You could just see him begin to crack. He starts barking at his box to get more energetic when that lead started to slip. He was up four one in the third. Like he was there, and credit to Kofer, never relented in that Atlanta heat, but. Again, that was a very winnable match for Evans. Unfortunately, now heads into a portion of the calendar where he has so many points to defend. Semi-finalist last year in Canada. Quarter-finalist at the City Open. Again, now things get rough for Dan Evans. He's going to have to pick up his level here if he wants to maintain his spot in the rankings. Who's had the good weeks, though? Lots of seeds have. You look across the board. Demon Hour straight sets over Kokonakis. He's going to take on Ugo Umber, who's just back to being the top 40 guy he was prior to last season. Umber, Demon Hour, 3-1 career head-to-head advantage for Demon. That's a fun contrast of styles. The big hitting, big serving Ugo Umber versus the always patient, the always absorbing, redirecting Alex Demon Hour. It's the unstoppable force versus the immovable object. Speaking of uh, unstoppable force, Chris Eubanks, 6'7", 6'4", 7'5". It's a casual tour-level quarterfinal. Another one for Eubanks. Mallorca, Wimbledon, now here in Atlanta. Don't take those for granted. Those are, what, three of his first four tour-level pro quarterfinals, the other coming in Miami this season? Like, don't take this one for granted just because he's had the other big results. Eubanks up to number 29, 29 in the live rankings. Wow. I mean, 
Wow. And, you know, again, how about J.J. Wolf? Again, shout out to J.J. Wolf. He reaches the quarterfinals. He is held strong in the top 50. The 24-year-old American, 45 in the rankings, heading into, obviously, a very advantageous portion of the calendar for him. He's now going to take on Kopfer. Um in the quarterfinals, Eubank's going to take on Illinois' Alex Vukic, who has just very quietly served, forehand, physicaled his way into consolidating a spot inside the top 100. Vukic in reaching the quarterfinals here this week, uh, currently up to a new career high, number 78 in the live rankings. This is a 27-year-old, another former player with college, uh, player with former college tennis ties, the former University of Illinois All-American, who I went on a rant on last week on the or on this week's Great Shot podcast with John J. Parsons. So if you want to hear more about Vukic, his 2015 to 2018 Illinois teams and the special place they hold in my heart, Gosia, Hiltzik, Kapinski, Vukic. Wait, wait, no, Vukic played five. Kapinski, Guillaume played six. Vukic played five and four. God, who played four on that team? Come on, Alex. You're not having a break. Oh, Aaron Hiltzik. Duh. Sorry, Aaron. Aaron played four. Or Tim and Aaron switched off at three and four. Anyways, that's one of my favorite teams. And then the 18 team where Vukic plays one, Kovacevic plays five. Freshman Alex Brown, real ones no, played two. Yeah, like special teams. Again, that's it's that's much more special. And you look at this draw. Like, who's advanced? Vukic, Wolf, Eubanks, Kopfer. Half the draw played college tennis. That's freaking awesome. Fritz threw over Ebing, uh, over Wu Bing. although, uh, you know, again, his winner uncertain as I'm recording this before. Nishikori, Jerry Sheng have completed their match. Yeah, uh, again, it's a really good week for tennis uh, across each of these events. And those are fun semifinals, whether it's Fritz versus Nishikori, Fitz versus the talented teenager Jerry Sheng, Kopfer versus Wolf, Eubanks versus Vukic, Umber versus Demonauer. It's the sort of weekend we live for here at Cracked Rackets. That's why we will have podcasts. I, I'm guaranteeing them. I'm putting the reputation on the line. We're going to have one on Friday. We're going to have one on Saturday. Sunday's the tricky day, so I'm not guaranteeing that one, but we're going to hit at least five this week. Is You know what? No, we're going to hit Sunday. If there's six events on the calendar, it should be a six-episode week here on the Mini Break Podcast, so that is the least we can do for all of you listeners, of course, if you are looking to follow the action. Again, you can watch our coverage, my coverage, I suppose, as part of the Tennis Channel T2 team if you have a Samsung device or are a YouTube TV subscriber. But, of course, here on this podcast, we know... Nothing would be possible without the efforts of our super producer, Daniel Westhoff, who has a fuck of an editing job to do day in, day out, making all of our content possible. A shout-out to him. A shout-out as well to our dear friends at Tennis Point. Remember, it's tennis-point.com. The promo code is CR15 for all of the latest and greatest products in the tennis world. But with all that said, that's your look at a 20-quarterfinal Friday plus two semifinals. With all of that said, for our fantastic super producer, Daniel Westhoff, our friends at Tennis Point, and from all of us here, at both Cracked Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network. I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. You know what we say. That's the break, and we'll talk to you all tomorrow. Thanks, everyone.